Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my partner in crime, the one and only Yazin. What is going on, my dude? I don't even know why we're recording the the podcast today. To be honest, uh, you know, just to me, the NBA season's over. I is there still basketball <laughs> going on? Hey, man, my season was over a long time ago, but you know, here I am talking about other players and other teams, and having to fanboy them over the course of the regular season to into the playoffs and into hopefully the NBA championship. But yeah, I definitely feel you on that. It's kind of difficult to uh, watch these games without your team being there. But hey, you know, I mean, the Knicks did what they had to do. And now it's just looking up from there, you know? Mm. Well, look at that. There actually are games on. It looks like the world uh, did not end for me last Wednesday. Although I thought it did. Uh, life moves on. The NBA moves mm-hmm. on. It doesn't wait for anybody. So I guess we're going to have to talk about it. So you know what? Let's just get to it. Yeah. Well, speaking of hoops and just talking about the NBA playoffs, I mean, nothing really beats it. And again, not to beat the dead horse here, obviously our teams are in the playoffs right now. But, you know, just looking at the storylines, to the competitive plays, to the heart displayed on the court, I mean, it really puts me in my feelings just having the opportunity to catch this on a nightly basis. So even though the Raptors are in it and for you, the Knicks are in it, I'm still forever grateful just being an NBA fan. Yeah, I mean, we we can't take the NBA for granted. Obviously, we just want to watch our team succeed. But you know what? It's also fun to to root against people too. So, and there's plenty of people to root against for a plethora of reasons, and we're going to get into all of them. Oh, we shall indeed. We got a lot to get into. As you are aware, the first round has come to a close, and we'll be going through the East semis playoff previews as well as touch on the future outlook of the eliminated Eastern playoff teams. Let's get rocking and drop the beat. On this week's segment of Run That, you know what? I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference semifinal round preview, but... I feel like we're going to have to start up with loser's ball here and briefly touch upon the future outlook on the eliminated teams from the East. I know last episode we talked about the Miami Heat. So let's talk about the Celtics, Knicks, and Wizards. So any team you want to prefer to start with, Yezin? I mean, let's talk about all of them, but we'll give it a uh, basically a thumbs up and thumbs down on their future outlook. Uh, so you know what? Let's just get them out the way. Let's get the Knicks out the way. Uh, you know what? Thumbs up, thumbs down on, on what their future looks like. And I would be remiss if anyone thought that there were thumbs down it's thumbs up for them a team that was sort of built to go nowhere this season ended up fourth seed um one of the top defenses in the league over 70 million dollars in cap flexibility and i like to use the word cap flexibility because it doesn't necessarily mean cap space right you don't have to just sign players into space you can trade players into space so 70 million cap space uh all-star and julius randall and most improved player. You got a young guy in RJ Barrett who literally is 20 years old. You have quickly in Toppin. You have, you know, it's now become a destination. So their outlook, like we've talked to them at about them at nauseum. Uh, their outlook is, is definitely trending upwards. So despite them being eliminated this year, uh, it is a disappointment. You know, I, I, the future looks bright. So thumbs up for them. Yeah, I definitely agree. And when you're looking at the Knicks in its entirety, when you just look at the playoff picture, To wrap it up simply, they fell on their own sword. And what I mean by that is that they lost because they beaten themselves. And I look at it from a positive outlook because 
you know, most of it comes from the lack of experience. And I think that, you know, the reality check of the regular season versus playoff basketball was evident. And I feel like this playoff run in particular is definitely something that, you know, the New York Knicks can take from a positive side and build from there. And uh, I definitely agree with you with the thumbs up with regards to, you know, the cap flexibility, because that will allow the Knicks to potentially land another star, maybe playing the Batman role as Randall kind of showed that he may not be the number one option, but it could be because of the lack of playoff experience. So uh, maybe bring another star to help alleviate some of that pressure of Julius Randall and have him play freely in the playoffs is something that the Knicks may look forward to. Uh, secondly, I feel like health was a big concern. Obviously, the loss of Mitchell Robinson and others could have paid dividends throughout the course of the playoff rounds. I feel like if they get their guys healthy enough, they can definitely move forward with that. And then, obviously, the major leap from R.J. Barrett is something that they're going to need in the future. Uh, Like you touched upon, he's 20 years old, working now into his, I believe, second year in the NBA, just made the playoffs before Zion Williamson, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I think the need from R.J. Barrett is simply just getting to the Jean Morant, Zion-esque jump in order for the New York Knicks to get into the right direction. But that could be delayed if the Knicks could somehow use their cap flexibility to land another star. That will allow R.J. Barrett to learn from another person as well as develop in a consistent basis rather than being rushed and then, you know, providing a really crappy product, you know. So I I truly believe that R.J. Barrett's leap could pay dividends for this New York Knicks team. And then lastly, when you think about it, they got a culture and they got an identity, right? With their, you know, their knack on the defensive end and, you know, willing to play bully ball in such a heavily three-point shooting era, which bodes well for future player development with their draft picks that they have currently. So, you know, with all that being said, getting the star, getting R.J. Barron in the draft picks, you know, things are looking up for the New York Knicks. Yeah, with, yeah, you yeah, I forgot to mention draft picks. They have three picks in the top 32 this year. You know, they have multiple second round picks, multiple first round picks, and, and they're going to keep doing it. So, you know, believe in Leon. Uh, this year was a learning experience. Like I said, no one thought that they were going to be here. You kind of have an idea of who's staying and who's going. When you have that much cap flexibility, you're always, always, always going to be on the radar for free agents. You're always going to be on the radar for disgruntled superstars, which we may talk about in a little bit. Um, so definitely thumbs up for them. Absolutely. Great. Let's head on over to the Boston Celtics. I mean, they lost 4-1 to the Brooklyn Nets. There was a huge loss to Jalen Brown, really hurt their chances to make a a quality run, so to speak. And, you know, a lot of their faults have been exposed as just as a team overall. And to me, when it comes to a thumbs up, thumbs down situation, I don't even know what to rate them, to be honest. Because, yes, obviously with Jalen Brown coming back next year, I feel like that will bode well for the Boston Celtics, but there's a lot of holes within this roster and roster management. Obviously, uh, Danny Ainge has stepped down, right? The the future is looking kind of bleak, and I think Brad Stevens is taking over his role. So, you know, they got to find a head coach to take over this team. And I find it quite awkward for, you know, a guy like Brad Stevens to be at the head of basketball operations and then bringing in a guy who is going to take over his head coaching job and simply ask, what can you do better than what Brad Stevens has done? I don't know. I find that it's such an awkward dynamic, don't you think? You know what? Like, when we had discussed talking about this, uh, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down for eliminated teams, Boston was my only, like, neither, you know? Because, like, look at it. You have two 
stars and you know superstars i don't know how you want to you know categorize them jalen brown and jason tatum who in this league you need two right you need two guys at least to 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 make it far in this league and with that you think okay great thumbs up you know but then you look at the rest of the roster you look at an agent kemba walker who kind of came on the second half of the season the first half of the season really wasn't playing well he had some injuries here and there and also like you said you have the front office and coaching, you know, circus right now where Danny Ainge was there for a long, long time, hasn't won a championship since the big three. Now he's gone. Brad Stevens, who's their coach is now in their front office. And now they're looking for a head coach. Uh, and you know, there's also the aura of Boston in itself, just not being a destination. You saw what Kyrie Irving did when he stepped on lucky and, uh, the logo on the, and mid court. And you've heard, <laughs> yeah. you know, tons of people come out and talk about how racist Boston is. I mean, even Marcus Smart, who's literally on the team, was like, yeah, like people have yelled things at me. It's not a great town to play in front of. So you have two fantastic young guys under the age of 25 uh, who are not even in the prime of their careers. But then you have everything else, right? So it's like you can either go up or you can either go really, really far down. Uh, and at this point, at this juncture, I, I can't really tell which way they're going. I, I want to say they're trending upward, but boy, they have a lot of work to do to, to stay that way. Yeah, and to touch upon that too as well, the biggest thing with Boston is simply their mismanagement of assets, right? When Danny Ainge came in as the head of basketball operations, you know, and fleecing the Brooklyn Nets with all those draft capital and still not being able to deepen that bench and deepen that that roster, you know, obviously with guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, it's definitely a success in which the Boston Celtics were able to acquire. But at the same time, it's like all these draft picks that you had in which you're supposed to be able to trade for superstars that, again, didn't want to play for the franchise due to the, you know, the social aura of Boston, which we touched upon being all racist and all. But, you know, just getting back to the Celtics roster here, you know, uh, the key things in order for the Celtics to really improve on and somehow tread towards the right direction is number one, making sure that the two J's, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, are healthy and able to take on that load from the duration of the regular season into a deep playoff run. That's number one. Number two, they simply need a quality 3 and D big man. You know, they acquired Tristan Thompson, which obviously did not work. He's not known for shooting. They thought that might be an upgrade over Daniel Tice, which they traded away. But I feel like Boston definitely needs a guy that probably doesn't even need to play defense, but a, a guy that can be an offensive weapon at the five position is something that they truly lacked over the years, right? Um, Al Horford was that guy, and obviously I believe they traded him to OKC. Sorry, to... No, he left the Philly through free agency, He left the actually. Philly, yes, yes. Yeah, so that was a big hole there. I feel like if they're able to acquire a guy that can, you know, produce, you know, double-digit points off the court through three points through in the paint and play adequate defense. That will definitely help uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum elevate their games and, you know, alleviate some of that pressure. And then lastly, their bench. Their bench is absolutely atrocious. And I, and I do understand that Danny Ainge tried to bring guys like Jeff Teague originally, and then he let him go. And then, you know, trading a guy for Evan Fournier, you know, Fournier, uh, from, yeah. the, from the Orlando Magic for two second-round picks. And that didn't seem to pan out as well. So they really need to figure out what they'll do with their bench because if they are trying to go for a deep playoff run, 
you definitely need your bench players. And then, like you touched upon as well, Kemba Walker. What's the future with Kemba Walker? You sign him to big dollars. He's not producing. He's not at the health that he's in. And in addition to that, he's a year older. I believe he's about 31, 32, if I'm not mistaken. So he's up there in age, and he's not producing to the level that he was. And it kind of goes to show as to why Charlotte let him go in the first place, not willing to pay him those max dollars. And now the Celtics are looking like clowns in this regard. So whether it's thumbs up or thumbs down, you know what? I'm going to give them a question mark. How about that? Yeah, uh, I'll agree with the question mark. And you know what? I think a lot of people thought that when you know Gordon Hayward uh, left Boston, that it would actually free up opportunities for Brown and, and for Tatum to play better. I think it actually hurt them. It actually focused defenses more on them because you know Gordon Hayward, despite his injury riddled season this year, you know was still a productive player and is still a starter uh, on a you know on a Charlotte team that you know made the play in tournament. So you know losing him was actually a lot more detrimental to their um, to their development than it was uh, to their benefit. And you know when you have two superstars like this and you just keep getting bounced out of the playoffs. You start to wonder when those rumors are going to start to come up, when you're going to start to hear people thinking, you know what, this guy deserves to win or they're making cap space for him or both of them just recently signed extensions. So, I mean, free agency, you know, you're not going to lose them in free agency. But, I mean, listen, in this NBA landscape, the players own their own rights, man. They, They can dictate where they go, where they play and who they play for. So, if Boston can't write the ship soon, those two superstars who you thought would be there for a long time, you know what? They, they might get out of town too. Yep, it's only a matter of time. And again, we can only see how things go with the Celtics, but they need a lot to get back into the thumbs up category. That's for sure. So let's head on over to the last eliminated team in the East, and that is the Washington Wizards, who lost 4-1 to the Philadelphia 76ers. So... To me, I still think that they, they're another question mark for me. I think their first need is God, right? Because <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot that needs to happen in order for the Washington Wizards to have a thumbs up future. But seriously, though, they need more out of the rotation players. Uh, I feel like Bertans, Rui Hachimura, and Danny Avita, who I understand was injured, all need a leap to help alleviate the pressures off of Westbrook and Bradley Beal which will then yield positive results in their own health and durability later in the season. You know, if they can get those guys to develop to a level in which they could not only create their own shot, but like, you know, be able to hold their own from a scoring perspective that will allow guys like Westbrook and Beal to stay durable and uh, pose as a threat for uh, a deep playoff run. And then in addition to that, I feel like they need a capable big man immediately. Alex Len is not going to cut it. I think a perfect candidate would have been Nikola Vucevic, uh, as we can tell that Westbrook does play exceptionally well with elite bigs in the past. We can talk about Serge Ibaka. We can talk about Steven Adams, right? So I feel like Westbrook definitely needs an elite big and, you know, just create a bit of a big three there in Washington. And I feel like with all that, that will definitely help. But in order to do all that, you need cap space and cap 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 is a big issue you know with a guy like russell westbrook making i believe like what 40 40 million dollars minimum per year and then you got bradley beal supermax kicking in as well it's, it's gonna be real tough for the washington front office to really maneuver and get creative and bringing in a big man or bolstering the rotation in order to help 
elevate this Washington Wizards team past where they are this year. I'm going to have to give them a question mark for now, but it could be a thumbs up later on, depending on how the front office gets creative. I'm very surprised with your answer. Uh, it's a huge thumbs down for me, like a very, very large thumbs down for me. This team is cap strapped completely. You're, you're, uh, you know, most of your cap is going to an aging Russell Westbrook, who, who yes, okay, triple double machine this year, really, you know, threw it back at the critics, but. I mean, come on, he's not turning back the clock anytime soon. He's not getting any better. He's, he's, he's staying the same or getting it worse, you know. And now you have Bradley Beal, uh, who you know the rumors have swirled around him too. And uh, it's only a matter of time before he starts to realize that him and Russell Westbrook are not going to go far in the playoffs. Outside of those two, you have absolutely nothing on that roster. You know, Denny Avdia, you have, you know, Davis Bertan, Hachimura, Len, to the layman NBA players, you don't know any of those guys. And that hurts. You need that. You need another another guy there, you know. And with Russell Westbrook, like I said, you're on the wrong side of 30. Bradley Beal's approaching that age too. I mean, there's their trajectory to me, I think, is, is going way down. They're not cap flexible. Uh, they're not a desirable destination for free agents to come to. Uh, and they're not a desirable trade partner. They don't have a, a plethora of assets. It's not like you know teams are going to be scrambling to get those guys that I mentioned above. Uh, so I think it's only a matter of time before you know Russell breaks down. Uh, Bradley Beal realizes that his future is not in Washington anymore. Uh, and really outside, once those two are gone, this team has nowhere to go. They have no discernible, uh, you know, young players who you think you can, you know, build a franchise around. Uh, they're not in the, in the lottery right now. And, you know, they were a kind of team that, that maybe lost out when they made the playoffs. Like it probably would have benefited them to not make the playoffs and get a young guy like a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs, uh, to replace an aging backcourt. So to me, huge thumbs down. I think, you know, their trajectory is not anywhere near Eastern Conference semis or finals. I think, you know, if if they make the first round, that's like the best that they can do. And I think it's only a matter of time before uh, we're at a huge full rebuild in Washington. Yeah, I mean, uh, that might happen pretty soon because of uh, Bradley Beal's two-year max extension that he signed not too long ago. But I think with the Washington front office... Either they got to get creative or they just got to ride the wave at this point because I don't think they're going to be trading Russell Westbrook again or they'll be trading Bradley Beal unless they got a really sweet offer. And that probably will happen when his contract is in his expiring year, the second year of the, the extension. I think that's where Washington will get some calls on that. But I think because they're so close to the end of those contracts anyway, I think they're just going to ride it out and then see how things go. And then if they're able to fetch some assets for Bradley Beal, I think that's a good thing for their outlook, to be honest, because like they're kind of stuck right now. And, you know, obviously short term window, it's tough. But the long term game, you know, if they're able to get some assets for Bradley Beal, then the future could look bright. But again, it really depends on how competent that Washington front office is. And clearly they haven't done much at this point. So, again, we, we shall see. But I'm not mad at the fact that you said that it's a thumbs down or major thumbs down for this Washington franchise. I mean, they haven't really done much and they're not showing any promise for the near future based off of their current young players and thereof. 
they they had a decent you know playoff run last well, I would say what eight years or something like that where they kind of made the playoffs a couple years you know in and out uh, it's over now uh, they'll get a good package for uh, for Bradley Beal assuming he stays healthy uh, Russell Westbrook yeah I mean like you're probably going to wait out the end of his contract because I don't think anyone's going to want to take on another forty plus million dollar contract you know next year or the year after the year after that so uh yeah their best bet is to to get bradley beal and to flip him for some assets but hey i mean look we both agreed that the only team here that we both agreed as a thumbs up here is the new york knicks so i will take that to the bank thank you very much <laughs> gotta love it gotta love it all right let's head on over to our next topic let's talk about dame dalla aka damian lillard of the portland trailblazers who came up short Yet again in the first round against the Denver Nuggets. This is the fourth time in five years that the Portland Trailblazers have been sent home packing. With Dame being that quote-unquote loyal poster boy and staying with this small market team, there seems to be a slight crack of potential doubt of him staying with the Blazers. He posted on Instagram shortly after the Game 6 loss with this cryptic message from our fallen king, Nipsey Hussle. And it says, How long should I stay dedicated How long until the opportunity meets preparation? This has put the NBA in a whirlwind now as teams are now exploring the possibility in acquiring the disgruntled star. On top of all that, Terry Stotts was fired. And I say fired, I'm tired of hearing the part ways with a specific type of coach when other coaches, primarily minority coaches, Mm -hmm. are being labeled as fired. But that's another discussion for another day. I don't want to get hot in this topic. but Talk that talk. (laughs) But... As head coach, and Dame decided to tell some people that he prefers Jason Kidd as a new head coach. Do you think that Damian Lillard is ready to leave, or are you just simply in his feelings? Kick it off to you, Yazin. Tell me. Yeah, Damian Lillard. I mean, this this makes my ears perk up a little bit because Damian Lillard has been someone that I, I wanted to see out of Portland for a long time. Uh, it's just not there, guys. It's just not there. Four out of the last five years, they've been bounced out in the first round. Like, you know, this is when I'm talking about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, when you have two stars who are kind of playing together and, you know, sometimes maybe it doesn't work. Uh, and that's the case with uh, CJ McCollum and, and, and Damian Lillard. I mean, yeah, McCollum was hurt during the regular season, but he was fully healthy in the playoffs, but it didn't really show because they just kept drawing up plays for Damian. I don't know if you saw the game, the double overtime game uh, against Denver, but this guy is just unbelievable his his skill set his his he has uh you know intestinal fortitude to say the least to just come up the court no he's telling you what he's gonna do and then he just does it anyway comes up you know cross up on uh on austin rivers bang three-pointer goes and, and then in overtime three threes in you know what two minutes less than two minutes uh to force double overtime and then they ended up losing it just wasn't enough down nine. Cast. He was down nine in double OT or or, yeah. sing, or sorry single OT. Yeah, he was and, down nine with like literally two minutes left, and he tied the game to go to second OT. Like I don't think people understand how hard it is to do that by himself. By himself, it wasn't he deferred it. It wasn't he found the open. Ma- no, by himself, he did that. Uh, and I think you know Terry Stotts was the unfortunate victim of all this uh, because I think to me when I watched that game. It doesn't look like they were really drawing up plays. Damon Lillard was like, okay, listen, you bums. All right, I'm taking over. It's Dame time. I'm going to score at will. 
and they're going to have to foul me or they're going to have to quadruple team me. Uh, you know, I'm not passing. Like, it was really Mamba mentality. And, you know, it's really a shame that it's not Portland's fault, right? Portland made some good moves. You know, they have, they brought him, they drafted McCollum. Then, then this year, we talked about their offseason haul. Robert Covington, uh, Ennis Cantor, Carmelo Anthony. They traded for Norm Powell. We thought this team is all in. It just wasn't enough, though. And I think Dame is starting to realize that, you know what? It's just not, it might not be there. It might not be the coach. It might be the front office that just aren't getting the right guys. They're getting good guys, but they're not getting the right guys. And I think it's I, the know, players, man. Yeah, I, I think well, yeah. I think C, I think CJ McCollum is literally the reason why the Portland Trailblazers are on their way back to Cancun once again for the fourth time in five years. Because when you see how he has played, especially in that deciding game five, that pivotal game five away in Denver, Colorado, and the way he, I think he shot, I think I want to say seven for nineteen or seven for twenty-one, like absolutely atrocious, and then had that crucial turnover where his heel was out of bounds after catching it at the three-point line. I mean, there was so many moments, not only in that game but in that series, that CJ McCollum has fallen short. He went from CJ McCollum to Steve Urkel every goddamn time, and it's absolutely I feel for Damian Lillard at this point because I feel like the front office has done enough to construct this roster where they have a plethora of wings, right? Like you mentioned, Covington, Norm Powell, Mello. You got two quality bigs in Nurkic and Ennis Cantor. And then you got your guards in Dame. You got CJ McCollum. You got Aferne Simmons. You got guys. And it's absolutely unacceptable to be taken down by a team that only has Nikola Jokic. He they only have one star to beat, which is Nikola Jokic, and they've fallen short of that. It is absolutely disgusting to see, and I truly feel sorry for Damian Lillard. At this point, I feel like the duo of Dame and CJ got to be split apart. There's only so much the organization got to do in giving these guys a leash, and things need to get done. And like we talked about at the very beginning of the season, right, this team had high expectations and maybe had the best roster they've had during Dame's tenure and still fell short. This messy situation that Dame is currently in now while entering in his four-year Supermax, which makes it harder for the team to gain true value if they were to trade Dame. So it's a very messy situation for Damian Lillard. And, you know, if they were to try again with this roster, CJ got to go. And I know there were some rumors with regards to a CJ for Paul George swap, but you're not really getting better in that trade. So to me, it doesn't make sense. I don't know where yeah. to go from there. No, absolutely. I mean, and we've heard Stephen A. Smith. Uh, he's he's turned the rumor mill a little bit, saying that a couple teams have inquired about Dame Lillard, the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, uh, and we've talked. And he's also said that someone close to him has uh, referred to Carl uh, Anthony Town as a possible trade target for um, for right. uh, Portland, and also. Uh, I think it was um, Earl Watson who had said that a couple years ago in 2019, uh, Dame had been personally recruited um, by a certain superstar to come play with him. And I think we all know which superstar that is, being Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and he's going to be a free agent this year, possibly, if he doesn't um, pick up his player option. So there's a lot of rumors going around with Damian Lillard. I think you're right. I think the likely scenario is that they trade CJ instead. Uh, in, in order to maybe placate him a bit and, uh, you know, to kind of make Dame happy. His uh, his head coach choice, Jason Kidd, withdrew his consideration, so that only bodes terribly for Portland because that's the guy that he wanted. Uh, it looks like everything is going wrong for Portland right now. 
Um, you know, if I'm Portland, I think their first, you know, order of business is to uh, to sh- probably shop CJ McCollum and get a good haul for him. Paul George, like we said, could be an option that could actually help. We could space the floor a little bit, but again, they're both kind of similar age, sim- not similar skill set, but similar talent level, you'd say. And that would give Dame the opportunity to play with Kawhi. Uh, the, both of them could, you know, Kawhi could be a free agent and sign somewhere. Carl Anthony Towns coming in there. I don't know about that. That's a bit of a stretch. Like they'd have to. Carl Anthony like Towns, to be honest. Yeah, and 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 Towns is like a preeminent big man. Like that's going to be a big haul for them too. That I I don't know that they have. They don't have really good young talent. They have good talent that's built to win, but they just haven't. So uh, the Dame ru- rumors are going to swirl. I'm actually hoping he, he, you know, requests a trade out, obviously, because my team is one of the ones that inquired about him and, you know, has the ability to bring him in and with all the assets. But I'm not going to sort of hitch my wagon to that horse. Uh, I just want to see the best for Dame because he's a he's a generational talent that if he was in any other big market, we would be talking about one of the greatest, you know, to play right now. Um, but he's not. And, you know, at some point, hopefully he is. And we get to really, really appreciate his his talent. Yeah, no doubt. I really want to see Dame go to a, a franchise that has the opportunity to win a championship. And a lot of those teams that you mentioned are in consideration. And it's going to vote for a crazy. Let's head on over to our last segment of Run That, and that is the Eastern Semis. We finally arrived to the second round, which basically is the first round, right? Usually the first round is a sleeper, so that's why I kind of wait till the semifinals to really start focusing on what the East has in store. So we got four teams remaining. We got the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, and then we got ourselves the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. So let's touch lightly on each of these series and get our predictions out, and let's start off with the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. So Yasin, take it away. Yeah, I mean, listen... Obviously, I'm not a fan of the Hawks, but we've seen one game down so far between the Hawks and the uh, and the Sixers, and the Hawks won in convincing, convincing fashion. You know, this Hawks team is built to win, man. We thought that they were kind of coming in here, and, and admittedly, I thought that it was going to be an easy first-round matchup for, for the Knicks, but it wasn't. Uh, this Hawks team, they, they found a roster that they can put together that can win games, and here's how they did it, you know. A lot of people, when um, the Hawks drafted Trey Young and Kevin Herter, I believe in the first round of the same draft, had started mm-hmm. hearkening back to uh, the Golden State model, right? Where it was like, okay, you have Trey Young, who's kind of like Steph Curry. You have Kevin Herter, built in the same frame and you know, kind of game as as Clay Thompson. And then they took that and they took it one step further, and they went out and you know drafted John Collins, and they went out and signed Clint Capella. And then this offseason, they went and just drafted shooters, man. Shooters are going to shoot. Is it Bogdan Bogdanovich or Boyan Bogdan? One of the Bogdanoviches, Bogdanovi, <laughs> uh, and and Danilo Gallinari. And uh, they traded for Lou Williams, of course. Add that to DeAndre Hunter, obviously an injured Cam Reddish as well. All these guys can shoot three-pointers with pretty much the exception of Clint Capella. And they've shown that. And what happens now, just like in Golden State – is Trey Young is dictating the offense. He's dictating his offense and the other team's defense. Why? Comes up on a pick and roll. So what happens? You go under the pick, what happens? He's going to shoot over you. Okay, what happens? You go over the pick. Well, now you're behind him. So A, he's going to either 
you know, push his bum back into you and get a foul. B, he's going to throw a floater up there. Or C, he's going to throw an alley-oop up there. And he did that ad nauseum against the Knicks. And it was infuriating. And he's doing it again here in Philadelphia. And, if, you know, if if the lob isn't there, he has a shooter. Every corner, he has a shooter. This team is dangerous, man. I, you know, they're, they're built for this playoff run right now. Nate McMillan hasn't playing well, so... I think they're going to give Philadelphia struggles. I don't know if they beat Philly, but they're going to give them some uh, some pain going into the uh, you know the next game. Yeah, I can definitely see this series going seven games. To be honest, um, like you mentioned, Atlanta's offense is just straight high octane. You know, three pointers and paint points. You know, with you know Clint Capella and John Collins running the paint, and then you got your shooters in Herder, Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Gallinari, Hunter, and, and those cats. I mean, they're absolutely balling, and I'm not gonna lie, they're a fun team to watch, man. Like you see Trey Young doing his thing, like you mentioned, dictate the offense, and now dictating Philadelphia 76ers defensive strategy. As I'm not sure if you heard reports, but Doc Rivers is avoiding to play Ben Simmons defensively on Trey Young because Trey Young's ability to draw fouls at a high clip can definitely um, stupid make make yeah make that Philadelphia 76ers team fragile from a defensive standpoint, which I find completely That's odd stupid. to say the least. Because if you have Put an your elite best defender player, on your best offensive player, if if Ben Simmons thinks he can cover five positions and thinks he's the best defensive player in the in the league, it. prove it without fouling. Show it. Exactly. Do it. So yeah, I don't know why Doc Rivers is kind of being reluctant and being uh, being safe with that, especially when you're in the semifinals and you dropped your first game in your home floor. So to me, I don't know the 76ers team. Yes, like they've shown flashes of being able to shoot the ball at a high clip, but when you're looking at the Atlanta Hawks, I feel like they have capable bigs. I wouldn't say to slow down Joel Embiid, but just bodies that can be there to kind of make things a little difficult. And then obviously from a wing standpoint, you know, getting guys shut down like uh, Seth Curry and Danny Green, they have wing defenders that can help alleviate that. They have Tony Snell, who's a great defender on the Atlanta Hawks. So, uh, and then you got, you know, uh, Ben Simmons who can't shoot the ball. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, the formula speaks for itself and Atlanta, I feel like has both the offense and defensive ability to make this series as close as possible. I think it goes seven games, but as to who wins it, I don't know because we already saw game one and how Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks almost choked it because of their lack of playoff experience. Now, if you push it to a game seven, I don't know if that same pattern will correlate in that regard. Joel Embiid cannot afford to lose another game seven, so that's why I might give the edge to Philly. I say Philly in seven. Yeah, and 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 the good news out of this game is that Joel looks he looks good. Uh, you have a partially torn meniscus. That's that's he's playing through pain, but it didn't show it in game one. So uh, you know, getting that out of the way and 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 showing that he is healthy um, is definitely a good sign for them. I think eventually they do pull it off. I think they they figure out their defensive scheme uh, and and they're able to like I said, put Ben Simmons on Trey Young and watch what happens, man. You you have to you you can't let him. That's what the Knicks did. They put their best or one of the best defenders in Reggie Bullock on him because they had to. You know, they didn't let Derrick Rose play on him. They didn't let RJ Barrett. They tried to put their best defender on him. And even though it was a little bit of a mismatch size-wise, that's the strategy. And, you know, when you have, like you said, Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year candidate, says he's the best defensive player in the league, can guard five positions, do it. Show it. Prove it. Shut this guy down. Uh, don't let him dictate your defense. So you got to see some changes uh, here in Philly. So uh, it's going to be a very fun fun matchup.
without a doubt. All right, and our last series to discuss is Milwaukee Bucks against the Brooklyn Nets. And this, to me, was going to be a very exciting series because we got a star-loaded series with James Harden, KD, Kyrie on the Brooklyn Nets, and then with the Milwaukee Bucks, you got Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. So with that being said, obviously we already saw James Harden and his hamstring injury that ruled him out out of Game 2 and most of Game 1 as well. And we frankly don't know the outlook in which James Harden could be re-entered into the series. And I feel like that really depends on how well Brooklyn plays over the course of the series. If the series is close, then I could see James Harden coming back or being rushed a little earlier. But if Katie and Kyrie can hold down the fort and take care of business, then by all means, James Harden has the luxury to rest and prepare for the next assignment to come. On the Milwaukee side, I feel like they're they're built to lock down defensively against this Brooklyn Nets team, but somehow, some way, I don't know why Coach Bud does not learn from his mistakes from the 2019 playoffs and playing Giannis Antetokounmpo, your star, your superstar, your face of the franchise, 34 minutes. Like, are you kidding me? I do not understand. This is an Eastern Semis against a fully loaded Brooklyn Nets team, and you decide to want to play your superstar 34 minutes. And he goes on to say that, hey, we got a lot of fresh bodies to throw at, it, uh, throw at the Brooklyn Nets. Let's continue to do so and keep our players fresh. No, you should do this during the regular season, but not in the playoffs where every possession, every shot, every pass counts. You need your best players on the floor. And as, as you can tell, in game one of that series, you saw Kyrie and KD play 40-plus minutes, which they didn't really need to, but, you know, it's the playoffs. You need to play your star players for a long duration of time and try to leave it all out on the court. And I do not believe that the Milwaukee Bucks can do it if Coach Bud does not adjust on the fly and allow his superstar to play a heavy loaded minutes to give them the best chance to succeed. So with that being said, I see the Brooklyn Nets winning in six games. Yeah, every minute counts, man. I don't understand. It's not like Giannis is, is 35 and needs, uh, you know, some some decompression. No, play him 48 minutes, man. Let him go. You have to have him on the court when KD's on the court. That's a must. As long as KD's on the court, Giannis should be there. PJ Tucker should be there. Uh, you know, Middleton and Drew Holiday, they should, they got to be there to guard Kyrie and, and maybe James Harden. Game two is going to be very interesting because if Milwaukee can take home court advantage while James Harden is down, that might shift, you know, the complexion of this series because, you know, Milwaukee is a defensive team. So if you're comparing it, I mean, you have the, a great offense in Brooklyn against a good defense in Milwaukee and then you have a bad defense in Brooklyn against a good offense in Milwaukee that means that Milwaukee should be able to move the needle just enough to be you know on their side and now with James Harden down you have no excuse like you need to be able to live and die by you know the superstars you know making and missing shots but if you're letting Blake Griffin go for a double double in the year 2021 if you're letting Bruce Brown score some points if you're letting Joe Harris get some threes off you you can't you can't let that happen uh you know so they have to put the the pedal to the floor here while James Harden is down hamstring injuries are not easy to come back from man you're running a lot you need your leg you need a lot of bounce 
it, it might take him a while to come back. So you have to take advantage of it right now. You have to win at least two games while he's not here to, to even be considered here. I My heart still says the Bucks in seven because Giannis is, to me, he's motivated. He He needs to get to the finals. He has never been to the finals. He needs to get to the finals. And to get eliminated in the second round, uh, you know, would would be would be catastrophic for him. So, you got to take advantage now. You got to put the pedal to the floor, and you got to put your you know your foot on their neck and 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 win some games, bring it back to Milwaukee, and and don't even you know force them to to bring Harden back early, and then you know have him kind of play gimped. That might help you. So uh, Milwaukee's got to do it now, and they got to do it fast. Definitely agree. So looking forward to see what the East Garden store should be a fantastic semifinals leading up to a Eastern Conference final. That will be pretty exciting for the fan. Let's wrap up Runda and head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? All right, my AO Moment of the Week. Kristaps Porzingis, man. <laughs> I didn't expect you end up being here, but here we are. And I know my guy Yazin is loving this, but let me explain. Just hear me out for a second. We've all seen how exceptional Luka Doncic has been playing. Simply out of this world and doing his own to keep this Mavs team afloat in the series against the Los Angeles Clippers. And if you watch closely and wonder why, Boban Marjanovic is starting in a playoff game. I will explain why. Just give me a second here, okay? Kristaps Porzingis, who was listed at 7-3, just to put into context, the net he shoots on and rebounds from is 10 feet. You might say, okay, and? This guy is 7-3, but he plays like he's putting up 7-3, and three, okay? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. There is an exception. There's an expectation that someone of his size needs to be able to move into the paint, grab boards for the squad. But for some odd reason, KP is so allergic to that goddamn paint that costly, that costs rebounds that would be gathered by the Clippers to the point that Bullban has to go in and start at center just so he can play freely. It's just sad to see. And to add the cherry on top, in Game 7... I remember this one particular moment where he got the steal and was leading a fast break on a two-on-one and ends up pulling up for three, for three, which I clearly don't mind myself, but there's levels to this, Porzingis. You are not that guy that can shoot threes. I can, maybe other people could, but you can't be that guy pulling up on a fast break two-on-one, especially in a game seven. You want to make the easy basket, simple as that. It just goes to show how pathetic and soft he is. And now the Knicks are laughing to the bank with that first round pick. I'm done. Take it away, Yazin. Go laugh. Oh, laughing to the bank. He's he's not seven three. He's five foot twenty seven. That's that's how he plays, man. <laughs> you know, talk about a guy who. Listen, Max Kellerman was out here talking about, oh my God, that what are the Knicks doing? Richard Jefferson back in 2019 talking about this. That, oh, Stephen A. Smith was damn near crying on television. Mark Cuban, oh, you know, was asked to uh, like apologize, you know, because they thought that they fleeced the Knicks, and guess what? They didn't. Now they have a guy who is, like you said, seven three, putting up seven three. Uh, you know, $158 million locked in for four years, injury prone. Now reports are coming out today that he's not happy that he's in the shadow of Luka Doncic uh, because you suck. I'm sorry, you suck. You're just not as good as you thought you were. We here in New York, when when he was with us, 
we we coddled this man. We said he could have been the next Dirk. We we celebrated his dunks, his putbacks, Porzingis. We named him the unicorn. And then he just wanted out. And guess what happens when you get out? You get exposed. You get exposed. And KP, I'm sorry. You done goofed. You got exposed. And now you're in Dallas. And Luka Doncic, man, he's the godfather. If he doesn't want you there, you know, you're going to wake up with a horse's head next to you in bed. You know, if he doesn't want you, you're gone. And I think that might end up happening. Although I don't think anyone's going to touch him with a 10-foot pole or a 7-foot-3 pole uh, because... He's making $158 million and not putting up the numbers and doesn't want to play in the paint. When is the last time you saw a big KP putback dunk? I don't remember. He just stands on the three-point line. Massive I remember. Probably. It probably could <laughs> have been, Nick. yeah. As a New York Knicks, right? So, you know, he's just it's, it's just sad. It's sad. And the Knicks are laughing their way to the bank because the money that they didn't pay KP, they are going to pay Julius Randle. They got two picks out of him. Things are looking good. So that's a great AO moment. I approve. My AO moment uh, goes to the Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Lakers game. Um, It's kind of like a twofold. Uh, The first one is um, how did they get blown out in an elimination game? LeBron James. I mean, we're going to probably have a a conversation about that. Uh, Your first round uh, record is, is gone. You know, you get eliminated and you get trounced, not eliminated, trounced. You got molly whopped in the Staples Center by the Suns, but part two of this AO moment of the week is Jay Crowder doing the salsa dance in the paint, <laughs> getting ejected, K, uh, CP3 doing the uh, Andre Drummond sort of LeBron back down uh, impersonation. This team has some swagger. They took it to the king. They ripped his crown off, and they and they stole it, and they clowned him for him. Uh, and now LeBron James' next team is going to be the uh, the Toon Squad uh, in theaters this summer uh, for Space Jam Two. But golly, like you, how do you get just completely, completely torn apart on your home court as a defending champions in the first round, and then get and then get clowned on afterwards? uh mocking you and then oh the the you know the tweet that he had that oh we're just waiting until the bunny gets the gun and then jay crowder's like well you know we got the gun now so that's my ao moment of the week just just how lebron james and the, and the lakers just folded so badly in this playoffs and then got clowned on uh now i'm kind of rooting for phoenix because you know what you, you came into the champs building, you punched him in the mouth, you took his crown, you walked away, and now here you are in the second round. So uh, shout-out to Phoenix, shout-out to Drake Crowder, shout-out to Devin Booker, a superstar. So, read my lips, superstar, bona fide No, I agree now. Star. I agree now. That's what I said. He, oh, he do? elevated his level of play. He, he elevated his level of play now. He took, he took out the reigning champs, bro. Oh, like, fantastic. Okay, we're finally yeah. on the same page here. He's, he's, he's graduated to the upper echelon of superstardom. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's only going to grow more and more and more. Uh, and I found a very interesting uh, note that of the eight remaining teams, uh, you know, none of these teams have won a championship in a long time. Half of them haven't won a championship at all. The last championship won by any of these teams was the Sixers in, I believe, 83 uh, when Moses Malone was playing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see one of these teams finally get a championship, uh, you know, in their sort of current city and iteration. Uh, so go Phoenix, go man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. No, those are some great AOM over the weeks. Let's uh, let's wrap it up and head on over to games of the week. I love this game. <laughs> 
I think it's pretty simple, to be honest. There's two games that caught my eye, and both of them are in the East, right? We saw the Atlanta Hawks win game one against the Summer Sixers, and then we saw the Brooklyn Nets win game one against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, with that said, that puts Philadelphia 76ers and Milwaukee Bucks into a situation where game two is a must win in order for the series to uh, come back tied into game three. So I feel like those two games, game two with the, between the Hawks and the Sixers and game two between the Bucks and the Nets are something that is going to be very important to translate into how the series will progress, right? I mean, if those two teams, the Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets, go up 2-0 in the series, then it's going to look real bleak for the Sixers and the Bucks to make any kind of comeback. So game two, very critical. How about you, Yasin? Yeah, to me, if the Bucks go down 2-0 against a Brooklyn Nets team, you can kiss your season goodbye. At least, you know, the Sixers, if they go down 2 nothing. Yeah, they lost two at home, but this is the Hawks we're talking about. Uh, you know, they're like you said, they don't have that playoff uh, experience outside of really Gallinari. Um, so if the Bucks go down two nothing, I know they're going back home against Milwaukee, but you go down two nothing without James Harden, you can kiss your season goodbye. So I gotta agree there. Both of those teams are definitely important, but to me, the Bucks gotta win Game Two. Uh, or else they're they're in big trouble. You can't go down against a team with three superstars. Yeah, and the thing is, and to give that opportunity for Kyrie and KD to only win one game in Milwaukee makes things so much easier for not only the Brooklyn Nets, but also for James Harden's um, injury recovery as well, right? So that's definitely going to be a very crucial game for Giannis and his Milwaukee Bucks in order to put themselves in the series. So looking really looking forward to see how this duel turns out. All right, so that wraps up Games of the Week. Uh, over the course of the playoffs, Blogboy Talk is probably going to be at a standstill for now, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gamepoint Pod on IG, and Gamepoint Pod underscore on Twitter. We are on Spotify and Apple platforms, as well as Google Podcasts. Add reviews if you can. That will be greatly appreciated. With that being said, Yazin, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I still hate Trey Young. And the entire city of Atlanta. I still don't like you guys. I'm sorry for going on a little bit of a diatribe there in the last episode. Thank you for our crack editing team for being able to make sure that, uh, you know, didn't really all see the ugliness. But, yep, I still don't like you, Trey Young. I still think you're a little goomba. Uh, you know, I think you're, uh, you're a hairy lollipop. Uh, and I hope the Sixers trounce you. Well, let's be nice. Yeah. Let's be nice. We don't have to go there. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good Lord. Hey, man, this Harry Lollipop in the first round ate the Big Apple, and now he's on his way to eating a Philly cheesesteak. So we'll see what's in store for this series. But with that said, we'll end it off. That's game.